Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for June 14th, 2020, Proper 6. We are coming to you on behalf of uh, Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And we are not live, as always. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 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 So we are in the season after Pentecost. Right. And uh, uh, we are... Um, boy, that's a... I actually have a question for you here, Bruce, on this because I'm okay. looking. I'm looking at the schedule, and the season after Pentecost started last week with Trinity Sunday, and now we're into the next week, which is Proper Six. What happens? Where's Proper One through Five? Why? What? What? Proper Six? They're sitting is... on. They're sitting on the bench, waiting to get in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it has to do with how Easter can come at various points of the year, depending on the spring equinox. Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah. Okay, so depending on where that is, uh, you cut out X yeah. number of propers. Right. Gotcha. And one of the, the great um, accomplishments of the, the new Revised Standard Lectionary is that we all the denominations that are part of this arrangement and agreement finally were able to line up their ducks so that we all are on that same cycle. Because it used to be that some traditions would cut them off at the far end and some would cut them off at the near end. Mm. And so it was a little weird. So we'd be off by a few Sundays. Interesting. From, from each other. But... Now, for the last umpteen years, we've all been on the same and after reaching the agreement, I don't know how many cups of coffee and donuts it took to meet with committees, that <laughs> this is how we should do it. <laughs> and right. I honestly don't remember anymore which was the Episcopal way and which was the other way. Well, it does. that does make a lot more sense. I was, uh, oh, sure. I was trying to figure out... Uh, uh, and out of curiosity, then further, not that this, uh, this, I guess this is my own curiosity and won't make any difference to most of the people listening. Uh, but uh, on the website that I'm looking at, uh, there's also a number in parentheses next to it. And for proper six, it's number 11. And then it goes sequentially down. Any, what is, any idea what that is? Are you on uh, the Vanderbilt website or have you seen that? Do you know what that yeah. is? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm hmm. fascinating questions for our audience that they <laughs> yeah. really want to know <laughs> trivia about a website <laughs> <laughs> that they are not seeing at this point. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it might be the Sundays since Easter or I'm not sure. Hmm. Okay. I was just curious if there was like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's, that's this number. And You'd think I would with, be able to do that. Yeah. But no, I, can't. I mean, <laughs> You know, you're the ordained one, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, of course. Uh, uh, this isn't your website. I don't expect you to know. Um, well, then let's uh, let's move over to something that you do know. I, I feel pretty confident that you. I, I feel pretty confident that you do know the answer to uh, the the definition of this word. But the the word of the day today, I picked um, just because I, I felt like it was a it was a good discussion. Um, uh, because the word is reason. And I suppose I should give a little bit of context for it because it's, I mean, it's a word we all know. Um, 
but it's it's talking about uh, Anglicanism in the context of Anglicanism, uh, like the, scripture, the, tradition, and reason. That's the one. That's it. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, the the good old three legged stool that mm-hmm. um, Richard Hooker is famous for writing about, and I believe creating as well, or at least popular popularizing. And I believe it was during the reign of Elizabeth I, so way back mm-hmm. when. And mm-hmm. there was the huge argument going on in England about is ultimate authority in the hierarchy? Is ultimate authority in scripture? Is ultimate authority in our own abilities to understand? And those were the three major um ecclesiastical positions, you might say, that the, right. the, the more Protestant were saying scripture only, the more Catholic were saying hierarchy only, and the more what we might now call scientific were saying only what, only what God reveals to our minds. They were still theological about it. And mm-hmm. so Richard Hooker was able to synthesize those into saying, no, we need all three. So scripture, tradition, which is which includes the hierarchy and also uh, worship practices, sacraments, things like that, and mm-hmm. then reason, the yeah. ability of any uh, human both to experience God's grace and to have enough understanding for salvation. And that was the big question, is what do we need for salvation? And again, the answers were... You gotta believe everything in the Bible. You gotta believe everything the hierarchy tells you. You gotta be able to figure this out. And Hooker was able to put it into a single package. Later, um, I believe it was one of the Wesley brothers added experience to the four to make four, which is a wobbly chair we used to joke about in seminary, mm-hmm. and that is in the Methodist tradition to say it's a four-legged mm-hmm. chair or stool. I'm not sure what piece of furniture they refer to. <laughs> Whereas Richard Hooker had this very earthy image that if you have three legs on a stool, it will not rock. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And if you have one or two, it will fall over unless you're very, very careful. So um, he was able to then set that standard that um, when we're at our best, we try to uphold. But sometimes we toss out one or two others of the three. Yeah, and uh, the, the website uh, does put, uh, do, does mention that reason also draws upon the entirety of human understanding and yeah. experience. So right. uh, under this definition, experience is more of a, a part of the existing mixture of reason, uh, mm-hmm. which, which then would negate the, the, the need for a wobbly stool. Exactly. Um, uh, but uh, but and and I think what's interesting about this is is it, it makes sense. Uh, one would reason uh, that that it does uh, it does make sense that you would need all three. Um, yeah. If if you if you go by scripture alone, you have a billion different definitions. Uh, if you go by tradition alone, then you are wholly dependent on the hierarchy to define for you what it is. Uh, yeah, to what's the tradition? have a relationship <laughs> with God and how to behave. There's not a personal relationship, uh, which um, which is one mm-hmm. of the which is one of the major. Um, I shouldn't say one of the major differences between 
uh, Episcopalianism and, and, and Catholicism, but there is that there, there is there is an existence of separation by the hierarchy in Catholicism, whereas that wall is kind of torn down in 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 the Episcopal Church, uh, where you know you don't have to go and confess your sins to an you know an, a mediator. You're able to communicate commune with your God directly. Um, um, those kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. So, well, again, when when we're at our best, but we have been known to abuse hierarchical power. So. I totally own up to that. Oh sure. Well, and that's and that, I think that's part of the territory, right? That the, part yeah. of the territory of of power and hierarchy is that uh, uh, we should always be at least keeping one eye open on it, <laughs> because <laughs> at least uh, yes, <laughs> uh, accountability it, is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when 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 one gets power, uh, it, there is always a, an innate um, temptation to abuse that power or to take advantage. Um, and, uh, um, but it, like I said, it, it, it does, it does kind of flow, um, pretty reasonably well that you would, you would want to draw on all of that. Uh, yeah. um, I would want I would want to draw, you, it, it almost be seemingly impossible to do it without scripture. Although, um, uh, just maybe just a, not impossible, but just so foreign to our mindset that, that we would have, um, um, that kind of relationship with with our creator without that kind of guidance uh, yeah with, but, without a sacred foundational text yeah right uh, and it also but it also makes sense that we would um, involve and listen to people who have devoted their lives to uh, understanding that uh, um, um, the nature of our existence and the nature of our God and praying on all of that it, it makes sense to incorporate uh, the, those people into uh, how we worship and then making it past the smell test as it were uh, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the realm of reason also makes sense because you also don't want to you know like oh so this says this and that guy says that but it really doesn't make sense to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um, uh, like one, one would argue then, uh, that, that, uh, without, with reason, maybe we could have avoided some of, uh, the religious atrocities, uh, that, uh, that, that, uh, unfortunately the church, um, brought down upon the world. Uh, maybe, maybe right. reason could have helped work that out to a point where, um, uh, um, they, you know, did, things didn't occur and that, <laughs> that we are now ashamed of. Well, and usually, historically, it was reason that saved us from ourselves on those Ooh. counts. That it was being being open to reason, being open to insights that we should have seen centuries before, but the hierarchy refused to, around slavery, mm -hmm. around the role of women in the church, around sure. LGBTQ issues, on and on and on. It was reason that gave room for God to work for us to be able to see how we really, really needed to change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, reason reason would have also uh, told us not to send uh, tens of thousands of young boys down to uh, to, to uh, what was modern day Turkey and the Crusades. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Was, wasn't there a children's crusade or something like yes, that? Yes, there was even a children's crusade when package them up and just send them off into the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, 
reason would have really helped then. Uh. Yes. Yeah, and that was one of those things where the the hierarchy really felt this was a good idea in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. help the Pope be able to um, um, coalesce his authority more by authorizing each crusade. And, yeah, and it just... There, there, people were not in the hierarchy saying, oh, this is stupid, loud enough to be heard. And yeah. certainly the people in the pews, as we would say nowadays, were just ignored about how right. stupid this was. Right. And, yeah, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I'm glad you brought up things like uh, uh, um, uh, women in the church and, and, uh, um, uh, LGBTQ uh, rights because you know it, and this race is, yeah yeah and race this is not a this is not something that like oh thank God we're out of the we're out right. of the woods there we still struggle with these things uh, and that's it's right still uh, it, it is a it, uh, I think now uh, is a perfect example of of a reminder of that that the, right. the these things still do exist and we still do need to rely on. Uh, uh, reevaluating under those three guidelines um, what it is that we're doing and whether or not we need to make a change, um, right? Because uh, there's, there's, as as the phrase goes, there's always room for change. Uh, yep. There's always room for improvement, and always uh, room for improvement, definitely. And we're, yeah, we're there, it wasn't too long ago that I remember I was sitting with a group of very progressive Episcopalians, and they're patting themselves on the back about all the advancements the Episcopal Church had made in the last X years, however many it was at that point. And I said, but you got to remember, we're being blind to something. Because that's yeah. one of the things that each of these changes has shown is that those of us in power, because it was all clergy sitting there, uh, were totally unaware or choosing to ignore one or the other or, some, or something in between, this issue or that issue or these, you know, which meant these people or those people or that people or ourselves even. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very humble about these things and know that we're humans. And so we're always going to be short-sighted in one way or another and have to be constantly open to being corrected. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the work is never done. Uh, right. and, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the warning signs is always, <laughs> should always be if we're patting ourselves on the back, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Usually that means we're trying to tell someone to shut up. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, right. If you're feeling good about yourself, you're in trouble. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think God will let us know when we're done. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, let let. That's my, my that's my personal belief is 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 God will finally come down. And, well done, all you good and faithful servants. You've done it. You did it. You did. You fixed it all. <laughs> yes. Now you get to go play pinball forever and ever. <laughs> exactly. Man, that's not a bad image yeah. of heaven for me. I like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, until God comes back and says you you're 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 done and you've done it all and you're perfect. Uh, uh, we should assume that maybe we're not. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, that was reason. That was our. Uh, uh, like I said, I thought that would be an interesting uh, uh, yeah. discussion. Uh, there weren't any um, uh, heresies to uh, in the in the R's. <laughs> That well, I we can't see. mention them as we talked about it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. It is one of my favorite 
my my favorite uh, topics uh, as far as uh, definitions uh, that we just get to discuss on this podcast. Um, but uh, let's move over to our first reading. Yes, indeed. And our first reading is Exodus chapter 19, verse 2 through 8a. And it reads, They had journeyed to Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one, everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Um, that didn't work out uh, quite so well for them. They didn't, I don't think they <laughs> actually did that. Um Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but at this point in Exodus, uh, they still have some messing up to do in the right. story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 we'll totally do this. Um, uh, um, and it, I, I was struck at the, the reading it this time around, though, by um, um, God saying uh, the phrase, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples, which um, when we think about um, God and his love for his creation kind of doesn't quite seem to jive with that image. Right. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to prize you more than anyone else. And, and you are going to be greater uh, than I kind of wonder uh, what the, if there's like a difference in translation and maybe we uh, have, we trumped up that feeling of, of treasured possession. Um, uh, and it just says something like, and you'll find, you know, I, I'll find you to be, you know, good or I'll be well pleased or something like that. Um, but am I wrong on that? Like it does kind of feel like, uh, Oh, making elevating and putting on a pedestal one group of people over the, another group of people, doesn't seem to quite jive with God and God's creation, does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it, it does and it doesn't. One of the things to remember is that these folks are still have the marks literally of slavery on them. That sure. they've they've only just <clears throat> escaped the Egyptians. And so our you know, needing a little bit of a of a building up of their mm. self image. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm trying to avoid therapeutic language here, but it's kind of hard to. Um, that you know, we if um, if we have only been told we're trash all our lives, mm. then it's important to be told we are treasured. True. That makes sense. That makes and, a lot of sense. 
Yeah, and it and and you asked about the Hebrew. It's um, it's a it's only a little bit ambiguous. It's um, you know to me a special treasure above all people um, is the literal translation. So it, it does have that superlative above mm -hmm. all peace, but. Again, I think that's more on God's part to counter the you are less than all other people that they've been hearing during their time of enslavement in Egypt. Right. Okay. Well, and I, and, and I guess... Oh, go ahead. And also there's the dimension that this is still when the Israelites themselves are not really familiar with who this one true God is. Mm. And... Let, and, and not even really familiar with the concept of there being only one God. So in some ways, this is God courting the people to say, really, believe in me, forget about Ra and those folks, your households uh, worshipped back in Egypt. I'm right. the true dude. And because <laughs> you are the first people that are acknowledging this, we will always be very special with each other. Uh, you, you you did just pitch uh, a t-shirt right there. <laughs> yeah, the true the true dude t-shirt. Um, I like it. Uh, but yeah, it, I, and I suppose even as I had asked that question, my mind then went to it. It it, it, it is not um um it is not the only uh, um time that um God mentions um, uh, prizing people more than others. Uh, so even as I had said it, I, I made the realization of like, no, no, that's technically not true. Because even in even in the uh, um, uh, some of the some of the um, um, teachings of Jesus, he he would do a, a you know the parable of uh, the lost sheep, uh, right. the lost coin, uh, and or the the uh, the the prodigal um, son, prodigal son, and in those stories, a person was elevated to a higher position uh, and prized uh, over others. And it wasn't, uh, and, and as those stories go, it wasn't so much to say they're better than you. It was to say because of, basically saying because of the journey that these people went on, um, they, they, they need a celebration. We, we should celebrate um, uh, um, this triumph because they had they had a further way to go. They had they, quite they, a bit. They went, went, yeah, and and we should celebrate uh, when that's when that's the case. So um, now I suppose in this context uh, there is a little bit more uh, us versus them context around it uh, because the other peoples are uh, uh, worshiping multiple gods uh, and are and are not following in these footsteps. So there's kind of a separation there. But as as you pointed out, perhaps that's to to create to create that difference of like this is one of the concepts though that I want you to understand and and, and find to be true is that it's not multi uh, it's not a multi god system that's correct it's a singular and by figuring that out you'll have figured it out and yeah <laughs> when where other people will have not. Um, so there's there's a the, the point is well taken as to the, the the intent behind what these words the, the words are intended to accomplish. Well, and th the thing to remember is that you know, this 
again, we're supposed to see the story of Exodus as a whole, not just mm -hmm. these sets of verses. So, not, not these seven verses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we are are allowed and expected to bring into this the real the knowledge that the the elders of the people that Moses summons in verse seven. Mm -hmm. um, that they don't do anything that they said they would do. Mm -hmm. And the people who say everything that the Lord has spoken we will do, they won't do. That right. you know, be before Exodus is over, they're going mm -hmm. to be making golden calves and worshiping those because they freak out over how long Moses has been absent from them. So, right. you know, there's this almost, for well, it is, purposeful foreshadowing of this is God saying, hey, here I am. I am the one true God. We have this very special relationship. And the people saying, yay! And then relatively quickly they'll go, whoop, that didn't work. Let's go back <laughs> to what we were doing before and <laughs> yeah, get us yeah. some golden calves. <laughs> 20 minutes later, but maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what, if, what if just maybe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Um, it, as with any of these, it is just so rich. Uh, mm -hmm. Even even in just uh, less than six verses of all the different layers of God's relationship with the human race to this day, and also what was happening in just those few words. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, uh, the whole story of Exodus uh, is is uh, in many variations playing out daily it's just one of those things yeah. of like you know uh, of, of uh, a tremendous story that where where uh, there's triumph and then human frailty and then <laughs> yep and then restoration and then human frailty and then <laughs> you know it's just right it's it's what we live constantly um, yeah and we've talked about before in the podcast of how then when we see through other parts of the hebrew scriptures the commentary on these events by later prophets, some of whom say this is the time of beautiful intimacy with God, and other prophets saying this is the time of the ultimate disobedience towards God because they had it all at their fingertips and they kept tossing it away. Right. And both are and both are true. Both are right. accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it continues on now. It's not. It's not oh a, yeah. It's not a uh, oh well. I'm glad we're. Again, gl <laughs> congratulating ourselves and saying, "Right, glad we, we fixed that do problem. That. <laughs> glad that's not a problem for us." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, where's my golden calf? <laughs> right, right, right. Hand me the remote control. <laughs> that's right. Exactly right. Oh goodness. Uh, he's, uh, he chuckles and agrees as he types on his keyboard, which is his yeah. <laughs> Um. So, uh, uh, well, then let's move on here to our second reading. It's Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, this is a uh, uh, this is a pretty a fairly well known passage uh, in the New Testament writings uh, outside of the a lot of, lot of well known passages uh, within Gospels uh, outside of Gospels uh, a lot more theological passages and, and only a only a few become poster boards uh, and, and I think, <laughs> I think right. this one has it contains a couple of them um, oh yeah <clears throat> uh, and uh, so. Remind us, though, when Romans was being written, what all was going on? What's the what's the overarching um, um, context for the church at this period of time? Well, the it's um, one of the last works that that Paul wrote, though, because so many of his letters are collections. That's hard to say for sure since mm-hmm. pieces of those may be here there or the other um but anyway this is um written to the people in rome and that is the center of it, of the roman empire stating the obvious but it's also where paul will go to die and um yeah it it was not written while he was in Rome, so it's not that he was walking towards death, but instead it was, you guys are the flagship of this new body, this new community. So you got to really get this right. Mm. Um, Paul was aware that Jerusalem, while the center for Jews, was not the center for the Roman Empire. And so part of his writings are with the expectation that the, the community in Rome, the Christian community, which also would have a lot of Jews in it, was going to be the, the keystone for whatever was going to become of um, God's teachings that came through Jesus Christ. So he, he, it was wasn't written while he was in Rome and it wasn't written. Was it written for the Romans? Is that yeah. why it's called Romans? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the letters. It's the letter to the Romans rather than the letter from Rome. Is there, and, and there's a lot of persecution going on at this period of time. I feel like the specific mention of suffering yeah. involvement of suffering is uh, very intentional by the author to say, look, I know what's going on. Here's the reason why, uh, here's how we, how I, show you that it's it's productive uh uh and and what what uh how it's strengthening uh the community um not that it needs to happen but that you know there's 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 good that comes out of this and and there's there's a better day on the other side yeah and the we we do know from secular history that by this time by the time this letter was written, which we think was about 58, okay. that the persecutions of Jews and Christians in Rome had been taking place for about nine years already. Mm. So, unlike in Jerusalem, it was very dangerous to be a Christian or to be Jewish in um, the city of Rome. And again, Paul knows that this is the center of all, so... Um, 
he knows it's important to lift up this community. Right. What about um, th this? This phrase stands out here in verse seven. Um, what what is it? What do you think? What is your interpretation on what this uh, this verse is saying? Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. And this is coming right on the heels of saying that Christ died for uh, for the ungodly while we were still weak. Um, mm -hmm. What what is what is that actually? Because uh, modern brain kind of interprets righteous person as maybe. Um, uh, members of the church or clergy or, or but I, I don't think that that's the intention of the verse. No, it's, it's more that it's um, a good person mm -hmm. that, um, that almost poetically, this could be read in Greek. Indeed, rarely would anyone die for a good person, though perhaps for a good cause, someone might actually dare to die. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's yeah. So it is setting up the argument that Paul's making that Jesus really, really was extraordinary in mm -hmm. what Jesus chose to do. That rare, you know, we all know all too well nowadays that even a good person has bad qualities or um, has occasionally made bad decisions. And so I think that is gives us some insight into the rarely will someone choose to die for a righteous person because we all know no one's really completely good. Um, right. But for a cause, yeah, maybe. Because the cause is above people, individuals. Uh, so yeah, it's setting up the, the next verse that... God proves his love for us uh, that even before we had hit the status of being a good person or being part of a good cause, Jesus was still willing to die for our sake. Mm -hmm. It also even ties back uh, to the previous verses because um, a good cause um, could also be uh, the hope that he writes about. Yeah. Um, um, hope does not disappoint. So, um, I, I suppose the other the other thing is he, maybe he be, is creating a timeline in those previous verses that suffering, hey, suffering produces endurance, endurance, character, character, hope, and hope is that good cause, um, or or is a good cause, and God's love yeah. is a good cause, and um, and yeah, as you pointed out, that Christ died, Christ didn't die for us because we're righteous, Christ died for us uh, because. It was there because of that good cause that that God's love is mm -hmm. um, what was for all people for all people. So um, that's a it, it's it, a, a, an interesting um, theological discussion there too. Yeah, you know that um, when one does like to think of themselves as the good person and. Maybe that's why, you know, maybe that's why this happened was because I'm such a good person and yeah, <laughs> I deserve it, you know, and yeah, that makes me feel good, but that's not, <laughs> that's not why, that's not why it was done. And it's not mm -hmm. something that we've earned. Uh, um, it was something that was gifted uh, right. while being, while being completely unearned. 
Yeah, because, um, I mean, it's like, well, it's very much what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Of, yeah. You know, the, yeah, <laughs> I won't repeat all what we just said a few minutes ago. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly right. It 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 uh, it does tie into that 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 same that same thread. So, um, anything else about Romans? Um, one of the it doesn't take place right in this selection, but if you do what I always recommend of reading the entire letter, one mm-hmm. of the things that's interesting with Romans is that in Romans. Paul tries to uphold the church in Jerusalem for the Romans to su- the Roman followers of Jesus to support, and mm-hmm. in other parts of Paul's work, he's having to do, do the opposite argument of upholding to the people back in Jerusalem the followers of Jesus that are scattered through the Roman Empire um, and coming from Gentile roots. Mm. So it's interesting, this is an intersection of those two discussions, and they, scripturally, we are meant, again, to keep them in balance and intention in our minds, and yet often we go with one or the other, usually the Romans pieces, um, but it doesn't matter which one we, we favor, we're not supposed to favor either one. We're supposed to hold them together, that what it ends up being is Paul's arguing that everyone is worthy of salvation. Everyone is worthy of God's love. Um, and this, and in Romans, it's interesting to see him argue um, in favor of Jerusalem. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, yeah. A little, little yeah, different there. It, in Romans is where we find the verses about how, really, yes, the Jews are saved. They, hmm. but, you know, we, and we owe huge debt to that, to the Jewish people for being God's faithful followers for centuries mm-hmm. so that this would be open to us. Right. Um, but again, the, the, the people being the vehicle for this message. Yeah. To, for, so it could get here. And, mm. and we are not replacing them, which of course is one of the great um, heresies of Christianity is that Christianity replaced Judaism in God's mind. And right. Heart. Right. But, but we do not believe that to be very explicit. But, uh, but wait a minute. Christ died because I'm a good person. Um, <laughs> we, we earned this. Did we not? We did not. We, we did, did not, not earn it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, well, then let's uh, round this discussion out with uh, Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 35 through uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 8. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. 
These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, you received without payment, give without payment. Um, interesting that in, uh, especially to be coupled with, uh, the reading in Romans that begins to like, uh, you know, open up the discussion to the larger world and bring everybody in, go, don't go among the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Uh, what's, uh, what's, why, why, uh, why that is it? I mean, it is followed. Go rather to, and it's, he refers to the the house of Israel as the lost sheep, or the pe- some of the people as lost sheep in the house of Israel. Um, it does seem kind of interesting that the, especially posed with some of these other readings of the juxtaposition of don't don't go anywhere near the Gentiles or Samaritans. Uh, stay among the lost sheep of our own kind. Uh, it's kind of the feel of it. What's going on here? I think a big part of it is that the apostles, the, the people sent here, were not equipped to deal with folks different from themselves. Hmm. That they were essentially, it, it's safe to assume they would be very discriminatory and prejudiced towards Samaritans and Gentiles. As there. we saw, as we see yeah. unfold in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. um, where... There's all sorts of getting on the wrong tracks uh, right. by by the same group of, in this case, men. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think part of it, a big part of it, was they were not open-hearted enough to deal with people different from themselves, and so they were sent to simply speak and be with people who literally already spoke the same language and would have had the same. Uh, religious and cultural backgrounds, and therefore the um, preaching could be more effective and mm. less likely to become heretical. Mm. Since, again, in the book of Acts, we see it getting off track so quickly and right. becoming heretical, and it's being exclusionary. Mm. So it saves us from having 14 chapters of Jesus saying, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> 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 when I when I set you out, I didn't I didn't mean not like that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that and 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 that is that is true. That uh, that probably would have would have happened. I suppose there's also a little little uh, bit of um, the concept of let's get our own house in order first. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we start going and proclaiming, um anything that, that we that we have found a uh, newer better way um <laughs> or or refined uh and and uh, here's here's this new message um maybe maybe we should get our our own you know yeah our, our own things uh, uh cleaned up and, and and done uh but also uh, um yeah i mean if one would assume that um I mean, this passage speaks a little bit more towards uh, referencing them going out and curing disease and sickness, but the larger picture of spreading this message, um, it, it does make sense to work in uh, inwards out to outwards uh, because you uh, 
you, you have to practice number one and and anybody who's ever um, um, practiced uh, either a speech or a sales pitch usually will do it in a safe space first <laughs> yeah and and then okay all right now I've got I got this rhythm now I can now I feel like I can I can do this. Um, um, in front of other people that I don't know, and that it, it, it may be a little bit more, um, a less friendly audience. Um, but uh, right, but uh, but so it, it does make kind of some sense. But you gotta you gotta start somewhere, and starting where you already are makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, and there's also the dimension of who's the larger population, mm-hmm. and in this case, it would have been the House of Israel. The, right. the, it was a Jewish region, and so it would have been cheating in a way to only go to people that were um, not part of that big group, and this way it, it gave them better practice at mm-hmm. being in the mainstream and yet also having to stay true to these countercultural principles of generosity and love and forgiveness. Uh, so in some ways it was it was easier in other ways it was harder right 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 um, a lot of it, it what's interesting and also striking me as interesting about this passage is especially considering like the great commencement and and how we're told to go out and 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 uh, share there's a lot of aspects of this reading here that we don't connect with uh, uh, um, as modern Christians. Um, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, uh, lepers, cast out demons. I I don't I, I can't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like I don't I don't have I, I don't I, I am not I am not equipped to do any of, of of these things. So the commandment of go forward and do likewise, I feel a little left out. Uh, and in in these verses just because what they're specifically called to do is, is uh, a lot more extraordinary than I, I think what we have abilities to do these days. You know, I mean, I haven't, I haven't been able to raise anybody from the dead yet. I haven't, I haven't gotten, <laughs> I haven't, yeah. I haven't gotten that. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if the, uh, what the, the, the modern, theology interprets this as as like uh um um are does these commandments uh, since since we're kind of called to do likewise do we do we have the power to raise the dead and we just don't have enough faith to do it or like what's the uh what's the interpretation here well that's certainly the age old argument is it <laughs> is it us or is it god that's fallen down on the job here and mm-hmm. i think part of it is that we are called to try to give the very best things we could give, we can give. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the punchline is in, um, let's see, what verse is this? In verse 8, um, where in the Greek it's, it basically says, you you freely received, freely give. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, it, it's translated, I think, kind of 
crassly here where you receive without payment, give without payment, but maybe that will make more sense to contemporary American Christians. Anyway, the, the point is that, the interpretation is that in a modern context, whatever we think is the most impossible thing we could possibly give, we should try. Mm -hmm. Because God's the one who's going to be empowering that giving rather than ourselves. It, it makes us reliant upon God for the missionary journey, as we now label this adventure that Jesus sends them on. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, one of the, okay, I'll, I'll hit one of my um, bugaboos that offends some people, but what the heck, I'll say it, that one, I think one of the great mistakes Christianity has made in the last 30 years or so is gifts inventories, where there's some kind of exercise of discerning what gifts God has given us because those are the ones we should exercise. And that, I have no argument with that part. My argument is then, is with the idea, though, that we should limit ourselves to those mm. ministries. It may be those are just the gifts that have developed so far in us, because I think passages like this challenge us to take risks and try things we may not be good at, like raising the dead. <laughs> <laughs> Symbolically. <laughs> Symbolically. <laughs> uh, um, and that often the, the most amazing things happen um, when people do something that no one expected them to be able to do. That's, that's including good. themselves. Right. And that's a good point. I, I think there's also, I mean, I, I know that... Time and time again, um, many passages are um, at least currently interpreted as like, oh, we're, sp we're supposed to be able to see ourselves in this story. Um, and I would put, I guess I would put forward, that can't be true 100% of the time. And perhaps maybe, <laughs> maybe in this, in this, uh, in this section, um, where we're not necessarily meant to see ourselves as the 12 the, in this specific context, but what it, the, the overarching theme of what they were called to do um, can still speak to us. Jesus hasn't summoned us and given us direct authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. I've never, I, I did, I have not had the experience that the 12 disciples had in this, in this context. I was mm -hmm. not summoned by the, the, the physical human embodiment of God uh, and over to a house and set forth with 11 other men uh, for these, this very specific instructions. However, um, where we might be able to insert ourselves into this story is we have been summoned in, in a later story to do something different and given authority to do something else which is to share this story to share god's love we have a different um we, we we have a different set of instructions than what is contained specifically here in these verses we still have a call to action but they had a very specific call for a very specific time for some very specific people um and we the the overarching theme of um I've, I've given this to you freely, so you should also give it freely to others. Um, 
is the overarching theme and, and mm -hmm. perhaps, perhaps the takeaway and not that, well, if you were only just a little bit more righteous, uh, then you could cast out demons, cleanse right. the lepers, raise the dead. Um, but, and, um, and there's that's one not more the authority piece. I don't think I've been given. Yeah. And there's one more piece here too, is for us as Christians today to be open to someone unexpected giving us a prophetic message about mm -hmm. God's love. That, right. um, going back to that faith tradition and reason thing of not getting so locked into the tradition, um, I'm sorry, scripture tradition and reason, um, that we think, oh, that's not in scripture. This one, this is one of the scriptures that says, you know, anything's possible. Right. That if these people who we know very quickly are going to deny Jesus, we're able to raise the dead even for a few days, then we really have to be open to God touching our lives in ways we never expected and doesn't fulfill our personal requirements for what makes for a righteous God event. That, that's a, and that's a good point. You kind of had mentioned uh, something very similar earlier. Again, the context of this story None of these 12 apostles expected this to be what they were told to do yeah. either. So likewise, where we find ourselves inserted into this story, if you're one of those people who on those, on those uh, uh, personal gifts uh, uh, sheet never write down like, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not a good writer. You know, I'm not very yeah. good with words. But suddenly you feel compelled to write something of uh, uh, thought or uh, um, some sort of uh, internal um, uh, uh, prayer that you, you, you know, you want to share and that's very against your normal nature. Maybe that's your individual, uh, <laughs> you know, authority uh, yeah. that you're being, Hey, no, you know, this isn't normally what you would do, but you know, you, I've put a bee in your bonnet on this issue for a reason and mm -hmm. go forward and do something that you're uncomfortable to normally do. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's sort of you know, the, the image that so many great saints have used through the years is that our walk with God can be um, understood in part by romantic love. And some of it is the, who's going to make, the first move towards the first kiss mm. and that in this, this is one of those cases, one of these situations where you may feel just as embarrassed or hesitant to say something deeply personal to someone as you would when you had a first kiss with a beloved, but it can be just as important to change that other person's life and your own by sharing something very deeply from God. Mm. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah, so, you know, someone may need a kind word, right. maybe as simple as that to help them, their lives turn around. Right. Very good. Anything else? I don't, I, I don't have any more That's probably enough. That's probably enough for today. Uh, but as yeah. always, there's lots more. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there sure is. Uh, even the lectionary uh, people said, just yeah. in case you want to do more, you can Keep continue going. on for another you know, 14 verses or so. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but yeah um well then with that we'll wrap up our uh our, our podcast for june 14th 2020 proper six in the season after pentecost uh please join us online at hfec.org uh that will have links to all manner of things going on uh, with the church uh, as, as we still continue to practice social distancing. Uh, we have our services on our uh, uh, webs or on our YouTube channel, HFEC videos. Um, uh, obviously we have this podcast as well. And, um, and uh, yeah, just please uh, uh, feel free to make use of uh, all those resources, all those opportunities. Uh, feel free to email us at shortcut at HFEC.org. Uh, with any questions or things to share. Um, And uh, until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.